Welcome back to Franchise Festival, where we go in-depth with noteworthy video game series from the last 40 years. For this show, however, we're doing something a little bit differently. Resident Evil 4 Remake is the first game from a series to come out after our coverage has been completed, and since we're such big fans of the original, we wanted to circle back and have a casual discussion of this new release. If you like what you hear, consider following us on Twitter at Franchise underscore Fest, writing to us at FranchiseFestival at gmail.com, or supporting us at Patreon.com slash FranchiseFestival, where patrons get access to a bonus episode each month and get to vote on future episode topics. As for us, we're your hosts, Chris and Spencer, and we have a special guest today. Could you please introduce yourself? Hello. First, I got to say you have a very good podcasting voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind. Thank you. Um, yes, I am Stephanie. Um, sometimes you might see my articles on the bossrush.net website as the Mad Pharmacist, but I am Stephanie. Mm -hmm. I am a writer and a co-host to the Boss Rush Network. Uh, yeah. I absolutely adore your recaps of The Last of Us. Oh, uh, thank you. They were my go-to uh, go recaps when my wife and I finished watching each episode. Oh, that means a lot to me. I always get kind of kind of nervous when I'm reviewing um, shows in particular, since that's not mm -hmm. my strong suit. But man, I was so passionate about that franchise and, you know, when, when it came out and just so much to dissect. A lot of good discussion from it. Yeah, thanks for being here with us today. Just a word of warning for listeners. Please bear in mind that this discussion may include spoilers for the gameplay and story of Resident Evil 4 Remake. So you may want to play the game before you listen. Let's get into it. Being a remake and all, I thought it might be a good idea to kind of go over uh, our history with Resident Evil 4 um, and our feelings on, you know, the property in general. Um, mm -hmm. We covered this a lot in our Resident Evil 4 episode, but in case you didn't sure. listen to that and you're just coming here uh, for information on a new release, uh, that'd be good to kind of talk about it. Um, let's start with Stephanie. I know you haven't played the original RE4, but have you absorbed anything about it Uh just secondhand, like what was your understanding of the game going into it? What made you decide to jump into the franchise with with the remake? Oh yeah, that secondhand smoke will get you every time. <laughs> Cheesy joke. Um, so I have a very unique kind of set, like indirect relationship with Resident Evil, uh, because long story short, the games that capture me the most are games that have a lot of lore. Um, yeah. So even though when, you know, most people who are familiar with Resident Evil might scoff at it being like a story-driven game, because it's not, it's more horror or action. But at the same time, Resident Evil is rich in lore. Right. I'm pr pretty sure you, you, you know Celeste, um, who has done some 1v1 on Boss Rush and also part yeah. of another Zelda podcast. She mentioned uh, Resident Evil and the lore that comes with it. So... I was too much of a chicken to play it. I did buy Resident Evil 2 Remake when it was on sale, but I'm still too scared. 
um, when I heard that Resident Evil 4 remake was happening, I had some friends of mine kind of describe what the game was like. And they said, well, it's kind of like the first to kind of introduce more of an action-y uh, mm-hmm. sequence to it. You know, the first three were like primarily strictly horror. Then, you know, Resident Evil tends to change things up every three-ish right, games. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to watch a Let's Play of it. So I watched a Let's Play of the original Resident Evil 4. And, you know, A, I got to see the whole story. And B, mm-hmm. they were, I forgot, I, I hate to say I forgot who I watched, but they were really hilarious, which helps mm-hmm. me watching a scary game. Because I'm a chicken. I, 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 I have a hard time with scary movies and scary games. Yeah. Um, but once that was over, I'm like, you know what? That actually seems like something I can handle. Um, and the fact that I watched a Let's Play, for me, it helps remove a lot of the... When I say jump scares, you know, when we talk about the game, there actually weren't a lot of true jump scares. But mm-hmm. for me, it's like I kind of know what to expect if I choose to play the game because I technically saw everything. So right. I found that the Resident Evil 4 remake was the perfect time for me to finally jump into the franchise. So I I, I kind of I made the commitment, right? I pre-ordered it, got it day <laughs> one. I'm like, I'm going to do this. Out of curiosity, you didn't get any of the like the deluxe version or anything, did you? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, I, I didn't either. I was just, I'm truth be told, I'm ignorant about what the deluxe bonus stuff was. So I thought maybe <laughs> you may have encountered it, but... Uh, don't worry about it. No, it's all right. Uh, Spence, did did you get the uh, deluxe? Because part of me thinks, in addition to just, I've been spending way too much money lately. I, I think a lot of it yeah, had to do with like we all? Co- cosmetics, right? Or I think so. I think so. I, I want to say it was mostly like costumes and there something were like some that. gameplay things that the okay. deluxe added. Um, I I bought the deluxe and I tried not to use some of the stuff it came with because i did my first playthrough on the the hardcore mode and i didn't mm-hmm. want to give myself an advantage but there is some stuff that just starts you with regardless that you don't have the option of getting rid of other than just like selling it so mm-hmm. i don't love that um I, I don't like that there is like a fundamental alteration to gameplay if you buy the extra one it's not all optional I yeah. see. All right. Well, that makes sense. I, I think I might have just stopped when I saw um, cosmetics because I'm just like, well, I don't want to pay more for just that. <laughs> right, right, right. Teach his own. Spencer, what was your uh, experience with Resident Evil 4 coming into this? So the original RE4 is by far my favorite Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, pri- my feelings on the franchise is that RE4 is kind of a turning point where prior to that, everything was a very like stressful resource management kind of game Mm -hmm. and some of them executed that very well and i like those but i am in the mood for that kind of game less often than i am something slightly more action oriented that still preserves some of the other elements i like and re4 just like hits that nail on the head Uh, also and this is beneficial for someone who's not a big fan of horror, like you mentioned, Stephanie, is that RE4 really leans into a more campy tone yes. than the games prior to it. Uh, I mean, some of them, like RE1, uh, are infamous for some bad <laughs> translations that make Inadvertently them Inadvertently kind of campy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but RE4 leans into it. And that's one thing that I like a little less about the remake, is that the remake mm-hmm. seems to try to... It, it tones down some of the ridiculousness of the later enemies in mm-hmm. favor of something a little more serious... Uh, and horror oriented um yeah. where that just like schlocky b-movie tune 
B-movie tone permeated, like, the original RE4 from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's like the original RE4 got sillier as it went, whereas this one maintains a pretty consistent tone throughout, eh? What about you, Chris? Like you, Spencer, the original Resident Evil 4 is probably my favorite Resident Evil uh, up until uh, the new one came out. Shocks, like I replay the original Resident Evil 4 pretty much every other year. It's just, it goes down so easy and it's just a, it's a hoot and a half to see those characters carry on and, I don't know, uh, Leon going back and forth with everybody. And so it's just, it's a joy. Uh, I do think it's interesting with the original, I never uh, really tried any of the unlockables with it or tried any of the hard modes or anything like that. Anytime I play the original Resident Evil 4, I just go for the, the straight basic experience of it. So that that was kind of my experience with RE4 in the past. How about expectations with the remake? Stephanie, what were you kind of uh, hoping to see with this game? So with given my limited knowledge with the original RE4 and the one time I watched it, I just expected good quality because... Mm-hmm. Everyone else that I lived vicariously through explained that, you know, the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake were, you know, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so just by that alone, my own expectations were, A, I'd like to see it run like um, on modern consoles. Although I've also heard the other side of the spectrum where I've actually had some friends say, you know, technically Resident Evil 4 didn't really need or require a remake. But since they are, I'm like, let's have it be more modernized. I want it to look great, feel great. I want it to, you know, make my heart race real fast. And other than that, (laughs) I just want to be able to learn all about the, you know, Las Plagas and all that stuff, which we'll get into. I loved picking up all those notes and entries. Those are my favorite. Yeah, there's a lot of good lore in here, a lot of which wasn't really in the original. Like, it was a little more oblique in the original, in my opinion. Having having played that one so many times, I feel like I still got a more thorough story in the remake than I did way back when about the origins of the, uh, the, the parasites. I also like that you mention uh, that you were hoping that it would it would play well by modern design standards. Because one of the interesting things about the original is that it more or less created the third-person shooter. But going back to it now, one of the things that I hear from folks who haven't played it before is um, you can't move when you're aiming, which is a really critical design concession. And it's important to how the original plays because the enemies move so slowly, but it makes it feel strangely antiquated. So uh, I was wondering how they would handle that. It makes sense that you would want it to be updated uh, for, for kind of a post Last of Us world in some ways. What about you, Spencer? What were you expecting with this? So I was expecting something pretty faithful to the original. Um, mm-hmm. This was in an interesting position because with the 2 and 3 remake, um, you know, that was taking something in the old RE style of like the top-down isometric tank controls with pre-rendered mm-hmm. backgrounds and translating it into the over-the-shoulder shooter. Uh, but RE4, as you mentioned, was the one that started that perspective for the franchise. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't, you know, I, I didn't expect there to be some kind of major paradigm shift on the table with that. Right. Um, I was expecting something pretty similar just with, you know, the the modern RE engine, which I'm a big fan of. I think it looks great and seems to be pretty well optimized. 
mm-hmm. um, and maybe some balancing and tweaking of different mechanics that haven't aged well and sections that uh, aren't fan favorites, let's say. Right, and that's right. more or less what we got. I mentioned before the tone skewed more serious, which is not a change I'm a fan of. But mm-hmm. what can you do? Yeah, you can't have everything. Yeah. With that, should we talk about some major gameplay changes? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so the knife in the original is ridiculously overpowered. Uh, Mm -hmm. The go-to strategy that you see most people use is to just um, shoot a leg, roundhouse kick, and then knife him on the ground over and over again. That's what I do. Yep, that's a really powerful strategy. It uses no ammo. (laughs) Uh, So I had a feeling that was going to get changed here. Uh, And now... Knives have durability, so your base mm-hmm. knife has durability that you can repair, uh, and there's supplemental knives you can pick up. And as a trade-off for that, the strength of the knives is actually increased. Yeah. So you still have all the same functionality of uh, being able to slash enemies on the ground, but in addition now, you can do kind of coup de gras attacks that instantly kill enemies that are on the ground um, if they're in the process of transforming into a stronger plaga enemy. Uh, you can use them for stealth kills, which is interesting. I wasn't sure if we should make that their own section because there is a stealth mechanic added to this that was absent in the original. I think you should talk about it now since it pertains to the knives so much. Okay. I mean, it feels a little underbaked to me. There's one section, I think, or two sections, I think, where it's mandatory. And outside of that, it's just a way to save a couple enemies worth of bullets. In the hardcore sections... That is important, because there were several times where I found myself with, like, less than six bullets, period. So being able to save that many, you know, opening up a fight with a stealth kill or two was important. Yeah. Um, But it's not like Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I never found, and I mean, I'm sure a video on YouTube eventually will prove me wrong here, but it didn't feel like it was set up to be able to, like carefully plot a path through a farmhouse and take out every ganado there without getting caught no it's pulled directly from resident evil revelations 2 where it was kind of similarly undercooked but served as just a way to eliminate a couple dangers before a fight broke out Hmm. i guess that makes sense because um i was so i used to be the run-in guns blazing type of of gamer and then the Mm -hmm. last of us kind of and maybe Ghost of Tsushima too. Like I just kind of end oh, up yeah. being trained to be more of a stealth person. So first of all, I, I was heartbroken when my knife broke, but it, it's fine. Ooh, like yeah. I, I didn't get like mad about it. You know, it's fine. I just go to the merchant, get it fixed. But <laughs> yeah, no matter how hard I tried, it could just be because I'm bad. But judging from what I'm hearing, I could never successfully like clear out an entire room with just stealth kills. I could meet, get one, maybe two, and then an enemy will see me. So I'm not sure, like, if they intentionally design, like, enemy AI or the way 
you hide behind things, how they detect you, because I was really gunning for a lot of stealth um, situations mm -hmm. because I am not, you know, I came close to not having enough ammo many times because <laughs> of that. Yeah. I think there's a couple things going on. I think one, uh, the UI is not built for stealth. So in most stealth games, there's some sense of like, oh, you're in cover. Enemies can't see you here. Right. Or in Metal Gear, you have a radar. Or there are various concessions in the UI that tell you how detectable you are. And that's not the case here. The Resident Evil UI, pretty much for all of the remakes, has been very minimalistic. I think there's an internal tension here in Resident Evil between allowing you to do stealth kills, but not wanting to give you the sense of power that's associated with stealth killing your enemies. Like, it still wants to be a horror game at its core, and you can't be the stalker in a horror game in some ways. No, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, I guess ultimately that makes sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably balanced right where it needs to be, where the reward for doing it correctly is just like one to two free kills, and that's about mm -hmm. it. It's nice to not use that ammo anyway. Yeah. There's at least one section, though, where someone from Capcom went to the FromSoft School of Encounter Design, where they, <laughs> they bait you into going up. You, you'll zone into an area, and there'll just be an enemy there with their back turned to you, so you immediately go in for that stealth kill, and there's just some guy in a corner that you don't notice as you walk past, so you get axed in the back. <laughs> I know exactly the section that you're talking about, Spencer, because I replayed it last night, and it, it it's one of those nice little chuckle punk moments. Like where you get punked the first time you play it, you laugh, you die, and then you never fall for it again. If we're talking about knives, we also have to talk about the parry system because that's new. Oh, yeah, that is new. And also extremely important. Mm -hmm. So now when you are about to get hit with an attack, you can press your melee button at the last moment and you will parry the attack and not get hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, this is pretty great. Uh, this is just a way to exchange an offensive resource in your knife. Uh, for some health. I loved the parry because I'm I was still getting used to, you know, Resident Evil type gameplay and I'm used mm -hmm. to games where you have a do dodge. <laughs> you know like a right, button where you right. roll or you dodge and I got slaughtered you know literally <laughs> um several times in the the beginning, which I do think is a trial by fire. I think it's meant to be pretty hard. Um Yeah. But I just, because I was like, why isn't Leon running faster? Why can't he duck out of the way? Why can't I freaking mm -hmm. roll? And so I I, try, I did, made really good use of the parry. So I just found it a, a blessing. And not to jump too forward ahead, but that plus the the conversation about, you know, knives was gr great for the um, Krauser fight. One of the Krauser fights. Yeah, absolutely. By the Krauser fight, you really need to have internalized how parries and knives work to, to get through it, eh? It's also nice because it gives you an option against uh, one-hit kill attacks. There are still some present here that I don't think you can parry, but um, for like the uh, Dr. Salvatore, at least in the other right, chainsaw yeah, enemies. Right, the chainsaw fella, yeah. Yeah, so the chainsaw enemies, now you can parry that. And it is pretty funny to watch <laughs> someone parry a chainsaw with like a boot knife. <laughs> it's um, amazing! It, it's nice to just have an option to not die right off the bat. And... There's checkpointing now, which wasn't in the original, so mm -hmm. deaths don't sting quite as much as they used to, but if you're going through for like an S-plus playthrough or something with limited saves, or on professional difficulty where they don't have checkpointing, uh, the knives can really get you out of a bind mm -hmm. with those parries. Oh yeah. It's like, kids, don't try this at home. Please yeah. don't parry <laughs> a chainsaw. <laughs> Please don't. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny. I kind of missed Jill's dodge from the Resident Evil 3 remake. It, it was it's too interesting. strong. It was too strong, yeah. It's interesting putting the Resident Evil 4 remake in conversation with the 2 and 3 remake, because the enemies are much slower in those, and you have more evasive options in those. Whereas in this, really, your only evasive option is the uh, the parry, which I still haven't gotten down. I, I finished the game twice on the normal difficulty, and I still can't quite get the timing of the parry, but I, I think that's some user error. So next, I think we should probably talk about cases and charms, because mm -hmm. this is, I think it's like the first just whole cloth new mechanic that they added. Yeah. That's not a modification of something else. So in the original, you just had your case. You you could upgrade it to get more space, um, and obviously, you know, you play Tetris with your items to make them fit. Mm -hmm. uh, but now, in addition to just upgrading your case size, you can get different material cases that affect the drop rates of different items. Uh, and you also can attach three charms to your case. Mm -hmm. uh, the charms, you know, also have a similar effect, usually tied to drop rates or crafting. Um, and you get the charms, I think... So there are some that you get from buying the deluxe version, but I think primarily oh, yeah. you get them from the shooting minigame from the merchant. Well, that explains why I didn't have any charms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did you fool around with the shooting minigame much, Stephanie? Uh, sadly, no, uh, because I kind of thought I was on a time crunch because we will be talking about RE4 Remake on a Boss Rush Book Club. Oh, uh, so it, I kind yeah. of bypassed that, but my next playthrough I'm definitely going to. They're a lot of fun. They're, they're, it's funny because there was a shooting minigame in the original, but it was near pointless. It, I think, if memory serves, Spencer, it got you figurines. Yes. And there were just two courses of it. It was, it, it really reflected the original Resident Evil 4's troubled development that they just kind of threw in this minigame. It's a lot more fleshed out here. Yeah. It's fleshed out. I don't love it, though. Mm -hmm. um, it is far too random. Really? How so? So the way that the charms work, you don't just win charms, you win tokens. And then you put oh, the tokens yeah. into a little gachapon machine, and then that spits the charms out. Got it. Um, and you can get tokens from uh, treasure locations in the world. So you can get them without doing the shooting game, but mm -hmm. mostly you're going to get them from the shooting game. That rewards a disproportionately high amount of tokens versus what you're going to find in the game. Yeah. Um, and the fact this is random rubs me the wrong way. So do you get what I'm saying? Like if I were, oh, were yeah, going through sure. the game, you can't go in with the mindset of, oh, I'm going to like pick up submachine gun ammo charms and try to run through with like the submachine gun and dump resources into that or anything like that. It's just playing with what you get. And there is merit to that. We talk about that when we uh, with roguelikes, right? Like mm -hmm. having yeah. the adaptability to swap your build to the items you get has value. But some of it's just such like penny any stuff that it doesn't <laughs> feel satisfying to do it. And that brings me to my other point is the menu tax that this adds. Mm -hmm. The charms will do things like, say, when you craft shotgun ammo, you get 20% more shotgun ammo. Mm -hmm. Or one I got was uh, reselling a weapon gives you 20% more value. Yeah, I think or that's the Luis charm. Yeah. yeah. Or crafting something takes one less gunpowder. So as a result, you end up getting to uh, a typewriter because you can only swap these out at a typewriter. Right. And then you have to go through the menu and swap out your charms for like rifle ammo crafting, 
craft your rifle ammo, go back into the menu at the typewriter, swap it back to, you know, gun selling, talk to the merchant, sell a gun you don't want, go back again, swap the charms to whatever you want to use in the field. Um, And that's not super fun. That feels like an optionally exhausting way to play, though, right? You know, like, I I never changed my charms. I just set up my 20% extra ammo for three gun types and just kind of rolled through the game with that. Yeah, and it should be worth noting, we alluded to this, but the way that the difficulties are labeled in this, it <laughs> specifies that people who have played the original should play through hardcore. Don't! So my first playthrough was hardcore, and that was a hard experience. Uh, I ha- I felt like I had to engage with that level of min-maxery yeah. to not softlock myself. Uh, and, I, and I didn't. Like, I got through the game. I beat it. Uh, but... That is not a breezy experience, even for someone that's played the original a hundred times. That's, uh... (laughs) No, I'm playing the hardcore mode now, after having finished two runs of the remake, and it's still impossibly difficult. Like, I I have no idea what they were thinking with that description of that difficulty mode. Which mode did you play on, Stephanie? Oh, um, I actually played on the regular mode, which for me... I was proud of because um, there are several times where I'm pretty sure the game, when I died, suggested that I move to the easy mode. But I'm like, no, same, same. I'm going to put my big girl pants on and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this the regular way. I was kind of wondering what were, I mean, I guess I can assume, but you know what happens when you assume, like, what are the major differences between the you know regular mode and hardcore? Yeah, I I found just playing, starting with regular mode and then moving to hardcore, the enemies are much hardier and you get less ammo. I never had to run from a fight in the normal mode. I could typically eliminate every enemy in an area, and that's just impossible in the hardcore mode. Uh, I know in professional mode, there's no checkpointing. Oh, yeah. And also, it uh, tightens the parry timing. Okay. Yeah. I did uh, I did enable the auto-aim when I was trying to go for some of the, like, in-game achievements. Because when you're doing the minecart sequence, I just could not stand having to restart that the ninth time. So I enabled auto-aim and got myself the trophy dog on it. Yeah, so I've always played through RE4 with a controller, but the remake, this time yeah. I played through with mouse and keyboard. Uh, I don't think I would have been able to finish hardcore if I was playing with a controller. Yeah, I don't know how major this is, but we should talk about the uh, the separation of spinels from other treasures. So in the original, uh, spinels were a type of gem that dropped. Now they're a special currency. So mm-hmm. uh, there are side quests that get presented to you called bounties, which I'm pretty lukewarm on some of the objectives they have you do. <laughs> um, but now instead of just selling spinels for more uh, cash to spend on upgrades... Uh, there's a separate shop tab that you can spend spindles on on special items. So there are some treasures you can buy with them. But uh, in my mind, the, the big ticket item here now are the exclusive upgrade tickets. So every gun in the original, when you upgraded every single uh, parameter of that weapon, unlocked a special upgrade that fundamentally changed that weapon in some cases and just uh, gave like a major stat boost in others. But now, if you save up these this bounty currency, you can get that ticket to buy that upgrade for free, even if you haven't upgraded all the other parts of the weapon. Yeah, and one of my favorite other uh, 
spinal trade-ins is the uh, the treasure maps, which indicates on your map every sellable treasure in an area, so you can really boost your funding for the merchant. And the merchant functions almost identically to the original, but the treasure maps let you uh, kind of maximize your, your potential for getting money. You know, love that merchant. Every time I see that purple flame, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so without knowing how spinals were in the first get well not the first in the not remake versus the remake right, so i right. guess i didn't know any better i was okay with it at first i would have preferred to have sold them but <laughs> the problem with me and clearly I, i'll learn it for the next playthrough is i've traded them in frequently so i could get the treasure maps and other things <laughs> um that i didn't end up really saving enough for um, those tickets that you mentioned and mm -hmm. i i was following up with the majority of the bounties i think where i kind of fell off and just and didn't end up collecting the rest was once i hit the the lab part of the game where those was right, the, yeah. regenera doors are because the final area. I, I wanted to get the heck I, I, that was a really tough area for me i'm like yeah no. <laughs> yeah that's a tough area in general i felt like even having played the original i was just booking it through there they are frightening yeah the regenerators are a lot harder in this. I don't remember them uh, having that move set before, where they slide across the floor like a snake and then tackle you. Yeah, they that's could so weird. do it. They could do it in the original because it's happened to me. But in the original, you would need to kind of intentionally or accidentally shoot off their legs, and then they would do the snake attack. Whereas in this one, they do it independently. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that because I because what <laughs> happened is I shot it and then it fell to the ground and wiggled. So I'm like, oh, maybe he's just flopping around like a fish because I shot him. <laughs> ha ha. And then he came closer and closer. I'm like, why is he getting back up? And then he right. mauled me. Yeah, they're so scary. But yeah, bounties. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the bounty system in this uh, because, you know, it made me go back through an area, which... Uh, is fun. And in particular in the castle, some of the areas change after the first time you go through them. Like, uh, not to spoil it too much, but if you go back to some earlier areas, there will be animated suits of armor that weren't there before. And the bounties kind of encourage you to encounter those, uh, those little spooks. And I always like in a Resident Evil game when you re-encounter an earlier area with a new threat in it. Oh, yeah. It was like a special kind of knight. It was like that golden knight. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's a really tough fight. That, that again, feels like a Dark Souls fight snuck into Resident Evil or something. <laughs> there was a special dog in the village section, too, mm -hmm. you could go back for. Yeah, it's very cute that like this originally, there was a bounty system in the original Resident Evil 4. It was just only used once inexplicably. The blue medallions in the farm, right? Exactly. There's blue medallions yeah. in the farm and you get a note to shoot them all and you get an upgrade. And then it never appears again in the original. And in this one, there are, what, maybe 15 of those, which is nice. We mentioned treasure. That's been reworked. So mm -hmm. in the original, you would find treasures that had empty slots in it. And then you would have to find specific gems that would only slot into that object mm -hmm. so as a result if you missed like one of those gems uh it severely reduced the value you could potentially sell that for yeah now it's a lot more uh, interchangeable so any pretty much any object you find with slots in it you can slot with one of two different types of gems that come mm -hmm. in three different colors um and you get a multiplier based on that. So 
there is a risk reward to either selling something right away with the gems you have available to you uh, to get like resources you need or holding on to things to specifically try to apply the highest multiplier to the highest base value item for a big payout. Yeah, I really like that uh, that that treasure system because it adds in more of that risk reward tension from the early Resident Evil games where you're managing those resources. Uh, that, that doesn't appear quite so much in RE4, the original, I feel like. Yeah, it, it definitely was a motivator for me. Um, you know, I, I don't think I really cared much about treasures or collectibles in a lot of other games. But mm-hmm. after I made the first mistake of selling my first yellow diamond, I, it, <laughs> it, I, I quickly put two and two together. I'm like, oh, I see. I like this. Yeah, those yellow diamonds are hard to come by. Yeah. <laughs> I like that they eliminated QTEs in this. That is one of the more controversial elements of the original, and that's quick time events uh, for folks who mercifully weren't uh, playing games in the early 2000s. But they they were a really big deal after the release of Shenmue on the, um, the Sega Dreamcast. And functionally, they're tapping a button that appears on screen as soon as possible to avoid some unwanted outcome during a cutscene. And it means you can never not pay attention to cutscenes in the original RE4, and you can never skip cutscenes in the original RE4, so it really lengthens the experience. And here they've been removed entirely. The big ones, by my memory, were uh, running from boulders, oh, which yeah. were terrible. The complete omission of those is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big notable one is the Krauser knife fight. Right. And I like that they were able to preserve that by adding that parry mechanic. Now you mm-hmm. get to have a cool knife fight with Krauser uh, in-engine using the mechanics that you can use in the whole rest of the game. Yeah, it's, it's the better. best of both worlds. Yes, yeah, sure sounds like it. Like, you know, I don't hate QTEs, but they need to be in the mm-hmm. right kind of game. Like, Detroit Become Human, that made more sense. But mm-hmm. just hearing the concept of a QTE in Resident Evil, like, I'm just trying to imagine running from a boulder with those or fighting with <laughs> Krauser with that. I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much. Yeah, I appreciate it in the abstract in that it lets the characters do things that they can't through normal gameplay mechanics. But right. at the same time... It's a real drag when, you know, you've gotten really good at the game, but, oh no, I was looking away for a second during the Krauser knife fight, or, uh, like, oh no, it was 60 frames per second on the PC, and so they increased the response time of the QTE, which is a weird glitch that was present in the original RE4. Uh, you know, it, mm, I'm glad that they got rid of it. Do you want to move along to characters, Spencer? Let's. Um, so Leon, by my eye, is more or less unchanged. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Nick uh, Apostolides, I want to say, is the voice actor who did Leon in this, and he does just a stellar job at preserving the vibe of Leon from the original while also performing it differently. He's the same voice actor from the RE2 remake, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. I still smile when I think of that line. Where'd everybody go? Bingo. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... <laughs> oh, yeah. I That's a classic. It. He's great. No notes. Uh, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley is much improved. 
Yeah. Ashley is uh, is an MVP in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not that I've play, played it, but you know, when I was watching the Let's Play, even I was like, this girl is annoying. And mm-hmm. Leon, I just I can't. <laughs> but here I was actually rooting for her and she almost kind of had a little bit of a development arc even a little bit. But yeah. still, and I was really digging it. Yeah, I was bummed any time that she wasn't with Leon. Like, it, it actually, it made me feel more vulnerable as Leon to not have Ashley with me, as opposed to feeling more vulnerable to have her with me, which I felt in the original. We talked about this a little bit off uh, off mic, but sure. I had a different experience going through hardcore. You indicated that she actually helped you out in normal mode sometimes, Tons, right, by yeah. tossing you ammo and stuff? Yeah, she, she kills a regenerator, she... Um, she she tells you when an enemy is close by. She like she encourages you in the shooting mini game, like the what do you call it, the target practice, like the shooting gallery. Yeah, in in hardcore, my experience in hardcore was that she is still very much something you have to protect. Um, enemies are so hardy that they were pretty consistently in range to like hit her or try to abduct her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found myself struggling to save her a lot <laughs> what, yeah, what were the legit. rules were the rules still the same as far as um getting having her be hit once she was like in, incapacitated and if she got hit again it was game over yes okay it's also nice because in the original there's like a kind of a romance angle uh and that's uh, here too yeah. but i feel a little toned down so i like that she looks older here because it yeah. was pretty creepy <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she was pretty young for that sort of thing in the original uh, yeah not great <laughs> not not great nope yeah yeah i agree i felt much less uncomfortable like if there were any little bit of romantic bits it was ex- when i say extremely i just meant in comparison to what i watched before it was definitely mm-hmm. more yeah. subtle and you could take it or leave it kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and the voice performance by i want to say and apologies if i'm mispronouncing but genevieve bookner I think is the voice actress for Ashley. She does a really great job in this. I'm curious, uh, what was your impression of Luis Serra? <laughs> well, I mean, for me, I, I liked him, but that's just because, I, I mean, I know that in the old uh, original version, he wasn't as active, so to speak, with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, he does have kind of a stereotypical personality, so sure. I wouldn't say he's three-dimensional, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his kind of lighthearted personality, probably because he's the complete opposite of Leon, so it's kind mm-hmm. of nice to have the two personalities pitted against each other. So Yeah, they're a good foil, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love this too. He, you're right. He shows up pretty sparsely in the original, and here we get a nice extended section with him through the mines. Uh, that I think is great. Yeah, it's like a little buddy cop drama right here in smack dab in the middle of Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know, learning about his his background with Umbrella that that's part of the lore. So I really enjoyed kind of knowing more about him. Yeah, and I really like that. Like he's a person who did bad who means well and is trying to fix it. Exactly. Like, that's very appealing to me. What did you guys think? And it's only because I've read read about it. Um, darn internet. Uh, people really <laughs> harassing the, vo- the voice actress for Ada Wong. Um, Oy, yeah. I read that after, well after I was playing the game. Her voice didn't bother me. Like, was it really that bothersome to you guys? Because it seemed <laughs> <No>. fine to me. <laughs> She's great. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't get that. Because, I mean, it doesn't quite hold up to the standout performances of leon and ashley but it was perfectly fine like i had no problems with it 
And it's really baffling to me that people were so hated it so much that they took to harassing the poor voice actress. Yeah. And I thought it took Ada in kind of a cool, different direction. Like she, she doesn't sound like the voice actress from RE2, but who cares? We have RE2, you know, you can play that anytime. And I thought the voice actress here added just a different dimension to the character, which was neat. Right. I agree. That's why I just wanted to bring it up because there's, I mean, that's a whole nother topic right but just i don't understand how people can harass someone i I mean if the person did something terrible that's a different story sure yeah yeah. but just by being a a voice actor actress especially if they did a decent job like to you know she shut off her comments it was just i felt i felt for her and you know i felt i saw nothing wrong with her performance no it's unthinkable and most of the critical voices who i've heard on the game have nothing but great things to say about her I think it's that kind of cadre of bad actors who pops up for anything, right? It's the same actress that portrayed Ada in Welcome to Raccoon City, right? Yeah, very cool. She is the only uh, actor in a Resident Evil property to appear in both a film and a game as the same character. Nice. Very neat. Yeah. I'm I'm a welcome to Raccoon City apologist, so uh, (laughs) I'm glad to see her getting more work. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so for enemies and bosses, uh, in my mind, the most important one mechanically is the base ganado at the start. Mm-hmm. For the most part, they're pretty unchanged, but uh, partway through the original, you end up with this wrinkle where killing a ganado can potentially bring them back uh, as like a plaga, a scythe right. plaga. Got and, those uh, big blades swinging all around from their heads. Yeah, and that still happens here, but now uh, that similar tension is introduced by having some Ganados that will get back up after they're dead with their head kind of crooked. Mm-hmm. And they have a uh, significantly increased move speed, and they will dodge some of your shots. Yeah, They're a pretty high priority threat, and they're what I was alluding to with the knife mechanic where when you kill a Ganado, you'll see them uh, sort of seizing. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives you the prompt to run over and instantly kill them. And that's really important to do because they are an extremely dangerous enemy when they come back up. Have you ever gotten over to one just before the prompt disappears and then it goes away and gets up right while you're next to it? Yes. Yep. (laughs) And that's another fun, like, give and take thing because, you know, you want to... And part of RE4 has always been trying to zone yourself away from the the massive enemies coming at you. Mm-hmm. And this is something that requires you to then run into melee range of everything to try to get that prompt off. So there's still also a little bit of panic afterward. Even if you successfully do it, you finish the animation, you don't have to worry about that enemy. And now you're in, oh, crap, now I have to get back away from these things surrounding me mode. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the new enemies was the brute, right? The people with the cow or pig heads. Exactly. Yeah, they're yes. not in the original. That terrified me. I'll be honest with you. Those yeah. are one of the more terrifying ones that I was they're running They're great. Yeah. yeah, they're they're horrifying to look at and also dangerous. Yes, but 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 fun. Still fun, you know. Oh, for it, sure. Yeah. Um, just real, you know, real quick. I that's another fascination I had with Resident Evil. I know those the zombie part of the universe, you know, it, you know, there's a lot of zombie stuff in, mm-hmm. in entertainment, but as a daytime pharmacist, I, I actually <laughs> have an interest in infectious disease. I know it sounds like I'm going on a different topic, but no, no. things like infections <laughs> and, and all, all that stuff. Intri- that's why the last of us particularly intrigued me. Cause it's not just another zombie game. It had to, it was based off of a real fungi doesn't yeah. realistically impact humans, but, Anyway, so 
in RE4, it went from what, like the the T or G virus from the original Resident Evil. Yeah, like a magical zombie virus. It turns people into right. zombies. Yeah. But here it's it's a it's different. It's parasite. Now it's a magical parasite, but it's still like it's interesting. <laughs> um, you know, it does, you know, I kind of scratched my head the first time when I saw the was it Novastadors? I'm sorry if I butchered it. The Yeah, the bug the bug, bug fellas. That I did not like cuz I hate bugs and when you're like under the yeah. castle and you're in the dark and you see their green eyes, ooh. Ooh, I got goosebumps right now. I they're they're much more present in the remake than they are in the original. Ah. Oh. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah, they're they're only under the castle in the original, if memory serves. And in the remake, they appear through like three or four more additional areas. Yeah, there's like a brief stint in the sewer section where you fight, I think, three of them. Mm-hmm. And then the under the castle sequence is all they show up at in the original. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, big difference. Yeah, I actually really like that they were here. Uh, personally, as someone who is also uncomfortable with like cockroach creatures... And so seeing the the Novistadors really uh, made me squeamish in the remake. Um, and, and so I kind of like that they appeared throughout it because it, it kept me on my toes. It kept me uncomfortable. I also like, pro tip, that if you use the uh, the scope on the rifle that shows like the, you know, that, that there's like... Uh, the heat? Yeah, the, the heat sensor. Yeah, yeah the yeah. biosensor. It shows the ones that are camouflaged. And so even though they're uh, camouflaged, you can just pick them off a mile away if you use the biosensor on a replay. Oh, nice. Good tip. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of the bosses? I had a blast with all the boss fights. Me too. Yeah, the bosses are all really good. Yeah, they were good in the original. Uh, the, the, the early Resident Evil games are infamous for having terrible boss fights that are basically just a test of how much ammo you saved up. Oh. <laughs> and the original Resident Evil 4 is the first game in the series to have engaging boss fights. But I would be so bold as to say they improved every one of them here. Yeah, there's some that they just cut outright instead sure. of trying to improve them. Um, I forgot the name of the enemy. You know, you know the name, I think, right? It's called It in the original. I, I think oh. it has a more official name, but it's just it's kind of like a centaur looking dude in a uh, like a suspended thing underground. It has no connection to the rest of the plot in the original, so oh, that's it's weird. okay. Yeah, it's probably best that they cut it. As fun a fight as it was, <laughs> we we lost the weird Napoleon robot. Sort of. It's there, but we don't get a f- full blown like QTE boss fight with it. It doesn't chase us. Yeah. Yeah. the The way that they implemented it here is that it's like a central pillar that rotates and blows fire while you're going through a separate area. It's fine. <laughs> do you guys have a favorite boss uh chief mendez okay that one's just i i like mendez as a character he's really cool and mm-hmm. i think that the like weird like centipede demon vibes that he has when you fight him is cool mm-hmm. um mechanically is interesting too because you're kind of yeah. transitioning between uh close range tactics and having to like snipe him as he jump monkey bars around the farther part of the barn mm-hmm there's also like cool stuff too. You can do a melee attack on, if you down him on the first floor. You can do a melee attack or a finishing attack from the second floor where you do a big divey knife stab. Yeah, it is in fact. Uh, yeah, it's like an achievement yeah. for the game. You, you kind of have to do it if you want to get 100. percent Krauser, I think, is the most mechanically interesting because it's just like it's a cool parry based knife fight. But mm-hmm. from just as a set piece, uh, I'm still a big fan of Mendez. Yeah. 
What about you, Chris? I'm a sucker for Del Lago, which really speaks more to me than the fight. I love a lake monster. Like, I, I just, I find it unsettling that there could be something really big under a lake. So I like, uh, I like Del Lago. The funny thing is, my first run of this, I found Del Lago disappointing because I finished it off very quickly. And then my second run of this, I had a ton of trouble fighting it. Uh, and it, it did all of its various attacks and so forth. So then I realized Del Lago in this is every bit as cool as the original Del Lago. How about you, Stephanie? What's your favorite boss from this? So um, taking it in two ways, just for fun, like the fun favorite boss um, would be the one that you fight with Louise uh, with the two L. Is it Gigante? Gigante, yeah, that's a great fight. Because, you know, I know it's just two of the same kind of things you fight. One's armored, one's not. But the fact mm -hmm. that it makes it fun is you do have a partner and you could go about it several different ways. Um, mm -hmm. And then shockingly, you know, now that I thought thought about it, I do like the fight with Salazar. Actually, I preferred that fight over the last final fight with Sadler. Personally, um, I just kind of liked going, you know, up and down between the different levels and how Salazar yeah. was just, you know, you know, shooting one end to the other. I don't know. It was just a, a lot of fun. Very, um, you know, got my adrenaline going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Salazar is hugely improved from the original to the remake, uh, in my opinion. Salazar is just a wall in the original. Oh. And then there are just a bunch of like enemies that drop into the arena and you can go down to the bottom level to collect items, but you can only shoot at him from the top level and there's a bunch of one hit kills in the fight. Like the the mobile Salazar that's, I don't know, slinging insults at you as often as, as he's attacking you, I think is a more charming boss fight. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, that definitely sounds more fun in comparison. Mm-hmm. Let's talk final impressions, folks. Spencer, what did you think about this remake? I liked it an awful lot. I think for pretty subjective reasons, I prefer the original. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. This gets like 95% of the way there for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I think this is really great. Uh, if you're a Resident Evil fan, if you, I, mean, I guess Stephanie can correct me here, but if I think if you are a new new to the franchise it's probably a great entry point yeah i love it it's great 10 out of 10 9.5 <laughs> out of 10 what about you chris i really like this i mm, it's it's really hard to say without the benefit of hindsight because we have kind of 15 years behind us on the original but so, so i hope in 15 years i feel the same but at first blush i think this is better than the original which is very hard to say. Like, I think Resident Evil 4 was the best Resident Evil game. And yet, every rough point, every pain point of Resident Evil 4, I think, is sanded off by this. The minecart section's better. There are no QTEs. Uh, you get more time with Luis. Ashley's a wonderful partner in this. 
there's just there's there's so much to like here and it it goes down so easy even though it's shucks maybe uh 15 hours long or so i was really nervous going into this because the resident evil 2 and 3 remake and even resident evil 7 and village are very short games none of those is longer than maybe seven hours eight hours and so i was really wondering what we'd see here for a resident evil that was longer but also had, hopefully, the quality of those. And they stuck the landing. Capcom delivered. I think this is probably the best Resident Evil game that's been made so far. What about you, Stephanie? You know, as the token Resident Evil newbie, I think it was (laughs) a great um, jumping-off point, at least for me. I would like to say, but again, that's just from what I hear, if someone is more of a strictly horror person then maybe the first game might be resident evil 2 remake because i heard that's fantastic as well yeah but if someone is new to the franchise maybe they're a little skittish with the horror side you know resident evil 4 really did the trick i'm only sorry that i didn't play the original like (laughs) but but i am lucky that i am in an age where a lot of amazing games from back in the day like dead space are getting remakes so people who yeah. might have missed on the opportunity now have it such as myself so i as a as a chicken who's scared of everything of my own shadow mm-hmm. maybe i loved it i loved you know the the memorable characters the campy lines um the enemies the lore just from start to finish and most importantly which you know can make or break a game is the pacing i felt like it was very mm-hmm. well paced um, despite the fact that you, uh, you've mentioned that it's actually one of the longer Resident Evil games, I certainly didn't feel it. So I guess that's a win on Capcom's part, right? Yeah, I forgot to mention, but the pacing has really improved here. In, in the original, the island really drags, and here they tightened it up, so it, it you know, goes by really fast. Nice. So yeah, I, I love the game. I, I, I would do the four and a half out of five stars or 9.5 out of 10, like very mm-hmm. close to perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan now. And that's that for our coverage of the Resident Evil 4 Remake. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and encourage you to come back next time for our episode on the development, gameplay, and story of Sonic Adventure 2. In the interim, consider backing us at patreon.com franchisefestival You'll get access to a bonus episode each month, and even have the chance to vote on future episode topics. If you have any suggestions, you can also drop us a line on Twitter, using the handle at franchise underscore fest, or email us at franchisefestival at gmail.com. Where can listeners find you, Stephanie? Listeners can find me on Twitter at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. And you can hear me on many of the Boss Rush podcasts, um, mainly the flagship show, the Boss Rush podcast, and my articles on bossrush.net. Awesome. Once again, we've been your hosts, Chris. Spencer. And thank you so much for having me. This is Stephanie. Thanks for listening, folks. Goodbye.